Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Are you guys good? Good day so far. Hopefully you've had a great start to your new year. My name's Colby. I'm the pastor here. If you're kind of just kicking the tires of church, so to speak, we're glad you're here. We're in this, the second week of this series called You in a Year, and we're talking about uh, this material because all of us, we go into a new year with kind of some, some big expectations, maybe, that some things will be different this year than were last year, and we're looking for this kind of new you kind of in, in, in a year and what that looks like and the changes that we have to make. If you're like me, every single year, you know, I make some resolutions uh, to, to do something. I usually try to pick one thing that I want to be different in this coming year. And so we enter into the, the new year with big goals, big hopes, but here's the reality. Hope is not a strategy. A lot of us have big hopes, but we have some bad habits that we are still carrying with us. So in this series, we're talking about some new habits that we need in order to sustain the change that we all want to see in our life. I love what Aristotle said. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. So you and I, we are the sum total of the disciplines or the habits that we have formed in our life, good or bad. It doesn't matter. We are the things that we repeatedly do. And what studies will show is that uh, when it comes to resolutions, after six weeks, 40% of them are done. Like they're toast. We've, we've called it quits, which means that by Valentine's Day, you're smoking again, right? Because that's the number two resolution that people make every single year. I will give up smoking. You know what the number one was? It's about eating. It's about, you know, our, our diets. And then by six months into it, 60% of us have already threw, thrown the resolutions out the window because we had big hopes, but we still had bad habits. And so we're gonna talk about some habits that we need to put in our life. Now, the good news is, is that God's word has a lot to say about this. And I'm not gonna uh, kind of sugarcoat it, None of this is easy that we're gonna talk about, but it's doable. And God really wants to help us in this journey of kind of uh, becoming the you that he wants us to be this year. Romans chapter 12 says this. This is kind of our launching text for this series. It says, fix your attention on God. And really that's the key right there, to fix your attention on him. And he'll do something different this year. You'll be changed not from the outside in, because again, a lot of us try to make some external changes, some external tweaks, hoping that things will be different. He says, God wants to do something different. He wants to change you from the inside out, readily recognizing what God wants for you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around us, and we all feel this, that's trying to drag us down to its level of Immaturity. All of us, we have these, these things that kind of bombard us from culture that doesn't want you to succeed in your resolutions, that doesn't want you to kind of to get there, uh, but instead what God wants us to do is he wants to bring the best out of us. God wants us to be the best version of ourselves, and by the way, that's the goal of this church too. We wanna help you reach your full potential in Christ, but it happens in a development process. Go back to that verse one more time. It says he develops a well-formed maturity in you. So this is a journey, all right? It's not something that happens overnight, but he wants to develop that inside of us. So hopefully we can take you on this journey. Uh, one of the things that we say uh, has to come first is making sure that God 
is first. We talked about that last week, that he's first in our lives. He's first in our day. He's first in our week. He's first in our month, in our year. And that's why starting today, we're beginning a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And some of you are like, why are we starting it on, on Sunday? Everybody starts things on Monday, right? Well, there's a reason. If we started on Monday, then it would be done on February, I think, 3rd. I think that's a Sunday, which is also Super Bowl day. And ain't nobody doing a fast on Super Bowl weekend, all right? I'm just throwing that out there, just so you guys know. So we're starting today, right? 21 days beginning now that we're setting aside the first of our year to do nothing other than to declare, God, you're first in our life. God, you're first in our hearts. God, you are first in in my family, in my marriage. God, you are first in this, this church. And so we're setting aside these 21 days of prayer, but also fasting, And we're encouraging you, hey, do one or the other or or do both. And we have a lot of resources online uh, on the app. If you've downloaded the app right there on the front page of the app about our 21 days of prayer and fasting and different kinds of fast that you can participate in. Now, fasting is not just removing food from your life. Fasting is removing something so that you can focus on something that's more important. The way my pastor said it was uh, fasting is, is, is dying to something so that something else can thrive inside of you. It's like letting go of, of something. Whatever you starve, right, will die, but whatever you um, feed is going to thrive. And so that's what we're doing. We're starving maybe the, the fleshly part of our life for 21 days, but we're feeding the spiritual side of our life. And we mix these two together with these 21 days. And I'm encouraging you, hey, just do something. Like, join us, be, be a part, I either pray or fast or both, but let's make this really an all call for the church. Let's all get involved and just see what God will do as we focus on him first. And next Sunday night, uh, we're gonna have a, a team night, which is just, everyone's invited to that, by the way, just a worship night. Again, just to declare God your first, just to lift him up, just to really lean in. So I wanna invite you all to come back Sunday night uh, at seven o'clock next week and be a part of just kind of a, a worship night. Now, what we're doing in this series, um, outlining four things that I'm convinced if you'll do these, if you'll put these into practice, you will be different in a year. Your life will change. In fact, you'll look back over your life at the end of this year and say, I don't even recognize that person anymore because I've allowed God to change me from the inside out. And last week, again, we talked about focusing on what's first. And I believe a lot of us just underestimate the power of first things. There's a power to that. There's a supernatural power that God puts on it where he says that if we will honor him with our first and our best, he'll bless the rest. And he's done that in my life. Many of you uh, can testify he's done that in your life. And so we talked last week about living a God first kind of life. This week, jot it down if you're looking for a title. We're gonna talk about our thinking. I'm calling this message, Think Right, Do Right. There you go. Think right, do right. Because here's the reality. Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. What you're thinking is kind of like driving you where you're going. And God's word has a lot to say about our thinking. In fact, I'll say it like this. Any pivotal moment in my life has been a direct result of a shift 
in my thinking. And probably the same is true for you. Any defining moment in your life, probably there was a shift in the way you thought about something that enabled that dividing moment to, to take place. For example, I got saved at six years old at a, at a camp meeting in Alabama. It was a Methodist camp, sawdust on the floor. Anybody know about camp meetings? Sawdust on the floor, six of you. It's amazing, but it's like, you go there and they preach hellfire and brimstone and, and just kind of shout and spit at you. And I was six years old and I hated it. Okay, hated it. In fact, I didn't like going to church. I didn't like reading God's word. I didn't like praying. I didn't like any of that. But what I also didn't like was the idea of going to hell. Because they told me, hey, if you die tonight, where are you gonna go? And I didn't wanna go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. So I surrendered my life and prayed a prayer that put Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I prayed a prayer, but it didn't change my thinking. It hadn't changed my, my thoughts. In fact, I continued to live a life that was really, uh, by and large, apart from God. And then I got to college, and I saw people who had put their faith in Jesus and were actually living it out. Like something was different. I'm like, oh, you can do that. You can actually love God and, and enjoy life. And I got around people that would speak into my life. People that would call me things like you big old charisma head. Somebody call me that. I don't even know what that means. But charisma head, right? And people that would build you up and say, I know God has great things for your life. Even though I was a little bit, this is hard to believe, of a screw up. All right, I'll just be honest. Like in college I was, I was pulling pranks, uh, pulling jokes all the time. In fact, I was known for chapel pranks. You're like, what's a chapel prank? I'm about to tell you, so take some notes. Here we go. Like, uh, we had chapel at Asbury University three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mandatory chapel services. And so I, I try to make them a little interesting. And so at night, late at night before chapel, I'd sneak in and like set up some pranks. Now I have a few different ones. I'm gonna share one with you that I did. I would um, uh, sneak into, uh, break into the cafeteria, and I would borrow all the knives from the cafeteria, all the metal knives. And then we would sneak back into, me and a couple of buddies, into Hughes Auditorium, which was the chapel there, and we would put knives in the hymnals. If you don't know what a hymnal is, it's a book, and it's got a bunch of songs in it, all right? You can ask your mom or dad about that. But we put knives in every single hymnal. And so when you got to, to chapel service, and they said, stand up and turn the page, 200 and whatever, Thousands of knives would fall all over the wooden floors in the chapel. It was a beautiful sound, by the way. It was like <laughs> angels singing. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It's a great prank. But my RA always suspected it was me, and he would bust me and say, hey, Colby, did you steal those knives? In fact, he was country. He'd be like, you steal those knives, you ding dong? And that's what he said to me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, sir, no, sir, I didn't. He knew I did. But he would still say, hey, if you would... Colby, if you would use those powers for good instead of evil, right, you can make a big impact. And so I always knew something shifted in my thinking, and I started really living for God. In fact, even after getting married and, and, and doing the whole SeaWorld thing and my wife doing the CPA thing, and we still knew something inside of us. We were going to serve God in his church. I say all that to say that you can't change a thing about your life until you change your thinking, until you change your mindset. And it's all over um, God's word. In fact, it's what Ecclesiastes 10 tells us, that wise thinking leads to right living, but on the other hand, 
Stupid thinking, come on, we got some stupid thinking, right? Leads to wrong living. And a lot of us, we have some stinking thinking going on that we need to address in our life. And so what I wanna do is, first of all, I wanna share with you maybe some um, theology of thinking, some principles of our thinking, and then I wanna give you five ways uh, how to do this right, to make it practical, how we can apply it. We always say that if, if you, know, you can't apply this on Monday, then the Sunday didn't count. We wanna make sure that you can use this during your, your week. So here's the first thing I want you to jot down about our thinking. Everything begins with my thoughts. Like everything. Everything that you're doing right, everything that's going right in your life, but also the things that aren't going so hot in your life. All of it begins and is fueled by your thoughts. And you can't change your behavior until you change the thought that birthed that behavior in the first place. Now, that being said, I'm very careful about what goes into my day like like first thing. Very careful about what I put into my mind in the first part of my day where I set aside that time to really see God and to focus on God. Like I've just gotten into a habit of doing that. And I wanna say this um, about, about this device right here. Like I'm not against phones, I'm not against technology, but I think if this is the first thing that you pick up and look at in the morning, the enemy will use this. And he'll make sure that the first thing that you see is something that's just gonna set you off for the rest of your day. He's gonna make sure that the first thing that you you see is gonna be something that makes you wanna compare to someone else, makes you wanna compete, something that's going to discourage you. And again, I'm not against technology, I'm not against your phones, use it. But I think it's a great tool of the enemy if it's the first thing that we pick up, that he knows he can set your entire tone for the day if you turn that thing on, or even watching the news, right? Like if that's the first thing you do, you can't help but see everything bad that's going on in the world because that's what, that's what you know, is news. And he knows he can set your tone and, and make you grumpy. In fact, I used to wake up grumpy every single day. And then I decided I was gonna let her sleep in, you know, from time to time, but <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Some of you get that later. But if we're being honest, some of you wake up grumpy every single day, every single morning, and I can make a strong argument. A lot of it has to do with what you do first. What you, you do first, you get out of bed and you, you seek God first. Make sure what goes in your mind first is something that will help to kind of propel your day, not to destroy the potential of your day. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors or customs of this world, but instead let God transform you. And we want that. We want God to transform us. How does he do it? By changing the way that we think. So again, everything starts with my, my thoughts. Here's the second thing. My thoughts fuel my feelings. And I want to talk about this for a moment because some of you, you're blaming someone else for the way that you feel. Maybe you're blaming a spouse. Maybe you're blaming an employer. Maybe you're blaming a teacher, a boss. You could be blaming the economy, the president. You could be blaming all this kind of stuff. But trust me, those things aren't making you feel the way that you feel. It's your thoughts and your thought life in response to those those things that's making you feel that way. So this this is big right here. 
and I've never done this before, I'm asking you, in fact, I'm challenging you as a church for the first seven days of this fast, starting, starting today, all right? And, and do as much as you can for the next seven days, get rid of all media for seven days. Like, what would it be like? No Facebook for seven days. Some of you are freaking out right now, about to leave. <laughs> what is he asking me to do? Like, what about students? Students, for seven days, no video games. Come on, parents, say amen right there. No video games. Seven days. Put it down. Give it a break. Students, don't kill anybody on screens for seven days, all right? Let them live. Just saying. Seven days. And the reason I'm asking you to do this is so that we can kind of lessen the noise of the world in our life and focus more on the voice of God in our life. Seven days. Just let it, let it, let it go. In fact, I'm gonna prove what's, what's gonna be different. I'd say the only thing I want you to ramp up during those seven days is worship. Maybe, maybe, you know, more worship at home, maybe more worship in the car, at the gym, whatever that looks like for you. But one week, listen to me, no Instagram, no Facebook, no, no TV, no, no news, nothing, movies, music, anything like that. For one week, do as much as you can. All right, don't get legalistic about it, but get as rid as much as you can because it will prove this verse to you right here, Philippians 4, 8 and 9, and I can't wait for this to be true in your life, that if you'll think about these things, things that are true, not everything on Facebook is true. I know I just blew some of your minds. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if you put your mind on that stuff, whatever is admirable, keep going, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, if you think about those things, what's gonna happen is the God of peace is going to be with you. And I can say this with all sincerity. I don't want anything more for you than I want this for you. Because there's a lot, yeah, go ahead, clap. If you're gonna clap, clap. Because there's a lot that you face. There's a lot that I face. And I can't change your circumstances but I can point you to something that will give you peace in the middle of those circumstances. And so if you'll fix your thoughts on that stuff, I promise you, I promise you your life will look different. So for, for seven days, come on, just seven days, just give it, give it a break. In fact, I've asked our teams here at church, we're not gonna post anything either on Facebook or Instagram or any place else. Like we're shutting it down as well. And I would encourage you, if you want to go to one place, go to um, Elevate Erie. Search Elevate Erie on Spotify. Uh, if you're over 40, you might have to ask what Spotify is. I did. Um, but ask what Spotify is. And we've set a playlist for the next 21 days on Spotify that's just worship music. It's something that you can pour into your life during those during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, just take the challenge. Let's take the challenge. Let's, let's drown out the voice of the world and focus on God's voice in our life. Here's the second thing I want you to jot down. Uh, actually, this is the last thing before we kind of get real practical, and that is my thoughts determine my destiny. My thoughts determine my destiny. Perhaps you've seen this before, but it says, so a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. And for good or bad, we have habits that we formed in our life. So a habit, reap a lifestyle. Just kind of, 
is who we are. So a lifestyle, do this over and over, that ultimately leads you to your destiny. So in other words, it all starts right here. The thought leads to the destiny. This begins that. And so if you don't like the direction that you're going, you need to start by changing what you're thinking. This is what uh, Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, because I know we have a lot. We can talk about positive thinking and what that looks like, and it's all true. Like, you know, what your direct result, like where you are today is a direct result of the thoughts that you've had. Where you're going to be tomorrow, right, is also a direct uh, connection to, to what you're thinking today. You're like, Colby, sound an awful lot like Dr. Philip in here. It's not, though. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 5, says those, those who are dominated by their sinful nature. Like, in other words, you're living a life that you know you shouldn't be living. You're living a life apart from God. Um, you think about those things. And so those things are leading you there. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, instead, they think about those other things, those things that we talked about, you know, what's praiseworthy, admirable, lovely. Think about those things. They think about things that please the Spirit. Keep going. If your sinful nature controls your mind, and so that's what you think about, guess where that's going to lead? To death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. And again, that's the goal for you to have peace in your life. So I say just try it out. Think about those things. Give it a break for a week and watch what God does in your life. Now let me give you the five practical things. We've given you kind of a, a theology of thinking, some, some ideas behind our thoughts. Now how do we put this into practice? How do we actually think right and do right? Uh, before I give you the first one, jot this down on your note card somewhere, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It talks a lot about how we overcome the enemy in our life. It says we take captive these thoughts that, that are, are, are strongholds in our life and we make them obedient to Christ. So that's really the goal, that we capture these thoughts and how do we do that? Write this down for the first practical thing is you have a plan. You gotta have a plan for your thinking. And I say that because a lot of us are being fed some, some bad thinking that if we're just being honest, a lot does come from the internets, thanks to Al Gore, right? I mean, a lot of it does come from there. And so a lot of us need to put a filter on our mind from some of that media in our life, but we have to have a plan to do it, a plan to control our thoughts. Colby, how do we do that? Hands down, the best way to help control your thoughts and get the right thoughts in your mind is to read your Bible, period. All right, that's the best way. That's how you fill your life up with God's word. That's how you replace those thoughts. And I promise you that if you'll do that, if you'll just read your Bible, right? Watch how you take those negative thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says this, that the word of God is powerful. Like it's alive, it's breathes, it, it, it's living. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It will get all up in your soul, right, in your spirit if you let it, and it will judge the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. In other words, as you read scripture, it's gonna say, uh-uh-uh, don't think that. Like, don't go there, don't think that direction, but think this instead. 
And truthfully, a lot of times we say it's less about reading the Bible and more about letting the Bible like read you, read who you are. James tell us, tells us that the Bible's like a mirror. And as we read it, it kind of reflects back who we really are. And so I just say, read it, get in God's, God's word. My go-to personally is the one-year Bible. Like it takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, you can get a, you know, it's kind of a balanced diet of God's word, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a Psalm and a proverb, and just, just dive in. And if you say, I don't have that kind of time, well, read one proverb, all right? It's a sentence. If you don't have time for one sentence, you better loosen up your schedule. Something's gotta change in your life. But read God's word, read God's word, and do it again, like read God's word, get it in your life. So have a plan, and that's the best plan for, for helping to change that thinking. Here's the second thing, have a place. A place for your thinking. A place for those, those thoughts. Uh, a place where you can turn down the volume of the world and really focus on what, what God wants to say to you, even if only for, for five minutes. A place where you allow God to speak to your heart. And I'm really talking a lot about prayer. All right, have have a place where you can pray. I hesitate using the word prayer because I think some of us, you know, we hear that and we think, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that that well. Uh, we think it has to be some sort of structured kind of language that we have to pray in the King James Version of the Bible, right? With the, the these and thous and hitherto's and all that kind of stuff. Listen, God is not from England. So get rid of all that and just have a conversation with them. Like just talk to him. That's all he wants you to do. He just wants to, to hear your heart. He just wants to know that you love him, that he has first place in your life. And if you don't have time for anything else, say one word. Or, or just say, God, today I'm super busy, but I want you to know I love you, and I'm gonna do the best I can to serve you, if nothing else. He wants to hear that from you. And when you do, right, this is what happens. Isaiah tells us in, in chapter 26, Verse three, God will keep you in perfect peace. All those who trust in him and all whose thoughts are fixed on him. For me, my, my, my prayer time is like my offload moment. Where I just kind of cast my cares, cast my anxieties on him and he fills me up with peace. Or in the New Testament, it says like this in Colossians. It says, think about the things of heaven, not about the things of earth. Like if you don't have time in your life, in your day, where you like turn down the, the, the volume of the world and of culture and fix your attention on the things of God, I'm, I'm willing to bet you're pretty low on the peace meter in your life because you're just fixated on that instead of being focused on the things of heaven, things of God. That's the, third, the second thing, have a place. Here's the third thing, have a person. Have a person. You want to really think right and do right, have a person or people that will help stretch your thinking in your life. Now, uh, let me say this. Your life would be amazing. Your life would be great. Your life would move, um, you know, take such great strides to becoming who God wants you to become if you do nothing but focus on God. If you just do that and, and you, you go to God and you put some things in place, that would be great. However you will never reach your full potential unless you involve the people of God. 
Like that's what God's word says, that we go to God for, for, for salvation. We, we go to God for forgiveness. But in James 5, 16, you can jot that down too. It says we go to others for healing. We confess our sins to others and he will, he will you know, we are, will be healed and we'll be, be free from that. So you'll never reach your full potential apart from surrounding yourself with people. In fact, we're doing two different things. Like right here and right now, we started this season in our church. If you want some people involved in your life, in fact, specifically in prayer, after every worship service, our prayer team will be down front. Just if you want someone to pray with, I would encourage you, take advantage of that. Share that with someone. Confess, you know, find healing. Have them pray for, for you and where you are. So do that. But the second thing is this, get in a group. Like get in a group with the sole purpose of surrounding yourself with people who can build you up, who can keep you accountable, who can keep you moving uh, towards your purpose that God has, has mapped out for you. And we're currently in our, our semester break. We have another round of groups kicking off in February. And I'd say just get in a group, like do anything that you can. Like we have groups for, for anyone and everyone. We have groups that that do Bible studies. We have groups that do outreach kind of projects. We have groups that, that serve together. We have groups for students, and they're all gonna start during the same semester as well. We got activity-based groups. If you like to needlepoint, you can have a group, all right? Like just needlepoint or do whatever you do and, and add a study and, and pray for one another. If you like to snowboard, like let's have a group. If you like to ice fish, you're out of your mind, but you should have a group, right? Like get together, add a spiritual component, pray for one another. It's, it's like a free market system of groups. And right now we're training leaders. Right now we are registering groups. The directory will be open on January, I think 28th, something like that. But I can't encourage you enough, like get in a group. Surrounding yourself with the right people is the game changer. and will help you reach your full potential. And I can't um, tell you enough, like one of the most important things in your life are the people who you choose to do life with. So make sure that you get in a group. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate others to acts of good love and to good deeds. Not neglecting our meeting together, which by the way, a lot of people do. A lot of people say, I don't need this. I'm good. I got this. I can handle this with all due respect. No, you can't. You can't do this on your own. Uh, as some people do, but encourage instead, encourage one another. Hey, we all need that place where you walk in into the room and there are people there that build you up. There are people there that speak life into you. There are people there that you know are praying for you, that we encourage one another. And the Bible says, especially now, that the day of Christ is, is coming, uh, Christ's return is coming soon. And honestly, what that means is that the world is getting uh, to be a harder and harder place to live. And you can't do this alone. You weren't designed to do it alone. You need to get the right people in your life. If you wanna think right and do right, you better surround yourself with the right people. Here's a fourth thing. Have a purpose. Man, have a purpose to think about. The healthiest thought you can have, the healthiest kind of thing that, can, that you can dwell on in your mind is about your purpose, is about why you're on the planet, why you exist. 
In fact, the people that I know that are the, the most miserable people in life aren't the people that their, their, their misery is based on their circumstances. It's people who they have no idea why they're on this earth. And so they don't have any idea what they are living for, what God has, has created them to do. Like you need to have a purpose that you think about. In fact, that's why the pinnacle of the journey that God wants to take you on is to really discovering your purpose and making a difference. The Bible says it in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. We read that, be transformed by the way that we think, make sure our mind is right. Then watch what happens. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. You'll know what that purpose is for you. And by the way, it's good, it's pleasing, right? It's perfect. So you have to have a purpose that you are thinking on, something that you are living for. The thing that motivates me more than anything to lead this church, to lead my family well, to be a good husband, a good, a good father, is that I know why I exist. I know why I'm here. And I desperately want that for you. That's why I, I always say, hey, give us, give us four weeks at some point during this year, four weeks, go through crash course, it's four consecutive weeks, and it's all uh, so you can find out and discover why you're on this earth. And we can help you in that, that process. Today is week two. Man, jump in. Like, we'll, we'll feed you. We'll watch your kids. It happens right after this worship experience. So just jump in and just find out why you are here. Here's the last one. I want you to jot it down. Have God's perspective. See, we have a place. Uh, we have people, we have a plan, but the reality is uh, a lot of us can get sidetracked and we have all these things that are fighting for control of our thoughts. That's why I desperately want us to have God's perspective in our thinking. It's, it's easy for me and it's probably pretty easy for you uh, to have a wrong way of thinking, to kind of not remember who God says that, that you are. And so something that I learned that I wanna share with you, maybe you've heard this before. I learned it from a guy by the name of Craig Rochelle. He pastors like the largest church in America. Um, but daily he does these declarations. And I would encourage you to, to at some point during these 21 days, write your own for your life. But these declarations really kind of battle the lies that a lot of us wanna buy into. And so I'm gonna share mine with you and the reason I have these is because I battle, I battle wanting to put God first every single day. Like I battle that. I battle um, comparison. I battle competition. I, I have worry and anxiety. And when I do that, I'll neglect my wife. Won't love her the way I should. I won't, I'll neglect my family. My boys, I'll isolate myself or dive into to work. I, I battle those things. I battle, honestly, I battle how to, accurately communicate God's word to a culture that is by and large disengaged and disinterested. And how do we really communicate that God has a plan and purpose for people who don't care? Like I struggle with that. I feel the weight of that. I feel the weight of, of leading a church that's, that's growing, that God's blessing, and at the same time wanting to stay submitted to God's spirit and not, not get ahead of him and not get behind him either. So I struggle with those things. And because of those lies that the enemy wants me to believe, there's a few things that I say over my life, uh, not verbatim, but, but basically in this order, it goes something like this. 
Jesus is first in my life. God created me on purpose, with a purpose, and I know my purpose full well. I love my wife. I will give my life to serve her. My boys are world changers for the cause of Christ. I will train them and equip them as best I can to have an impact on this world that they don't even realize in this moment that they'll have. People are my heart. Like I choose to believe the best about people. And because they are my heart, I care more for who someone is becoming than for where they've been and the journey that they've been on. People are my heart. I believe I'm called. I believe I'm equipped. I believe I'm anointed and I'm appointed to do exactly what God's created me to do with excellence and creativity and innovation. I'm gonna give my best and I'm not ever gonna give anything less than that because I understand that tiny tweaks, not, not twerks, like tweaks, tweaking leads to giant peaks. And so I'm gonna do everything that I can every day to give my best and I declare that today the world's gonna be better, that today my marriage will be better, that today my family will be better because of Christ in me. That's what I say almost every day, something like that. And you say, Colby, is that true? Is that how you live your life every day? No, it's not. But my life will move in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And if I can make sure that I have that frame of mind, if I have a plan in place, if I have a purpose to, to think for, if I have people that will help me, man, if I have a place where I go to see God, then one day, you know, God willing, it will be every single day that will reflect who I am. Why don't you stand to your feet and bow your head? With every head bowed, every eyes closed, there's always a point in my, my message as I'm going over it that God speaks to my heart and he says, this is kind of where I want you to zero in. And it's really about our purpose. And I think if God could say something to you today, He'd want to say two things to someone in this room, maybe multiple people in this room. The first thing he'd want to tell you is it's time to settle your yesterdays. Hey, it's time to settle that. It's time to stop going in that direction. It's time to kind of settle the past, the things that you've been caught up in. And the second thing he'd want to tell you is he has a purpose for your life. Won't you discover it? Won't you find it out? With every head bowed, every eyes closed, maybe you're that person today that you need to settle some things in your past. The good news is that God came to settle it all for you. He came to send his son to die on the cross for our sins so that we would not have to take it with us, so that we would not have to pay for something. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, that we all deserve that, that we're all sinners, we've all fallen short of the standard that God set for us but because of his great love for us, that even in our sin, Christ died on the cross so that we would not have to pay for that sin. And the worst thing in the world is to have to pay for something that's already been paid for. And today you need to settle your yesterdays. And for those of you that walk through these doors today, this might be why you're here, to once and for all surrender your life to follow Jesus, to live for him, 
And God made a way to do that through his son. And I want to invite you to pray a prayer that does that. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that, I'm praying right along with you. This is why I'm here. I need to settle my yesterdays. I need to, to know God's purpose for my life in the future. And I need to allow Jesus to pay for the sins of my life so I don't pay for them. If you'd say, that's me, today I'm going to do that. Would you raise your hand and hold it high? Every head bowed. No one's looking around. Just hold it high. That's awesome. Amazing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Say something like this in your heart. Or you can whisper it to God. He knows. Say, God, today I surrender my life. I can't do this apart from you. I don't want to do this apart from you. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sin. Just own that. So I repent. I'm asking you for forgiveness. I confess Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. And from this moment on, I'm going to do my best to follow him with everything that I have. Now I have purpose. Now I have a plan. And God helps send people in my life to help me get there as well and remind me every day of who you say that I am, your perspective, that I'm chosen, that I'm not forsaken, that I am loved, and that I'm an overcomer, and now I'm an heir of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there'll be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to feeling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.